0: This is the Locked on Marlins podcast, your go-to daily podcast on all things Miami Marlins. As always, I'm your host, Arm Leighton. I'm a longtime Marlins writer, as well as a prospects writer and analyst. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about the Marlins' big victory over the D-backs. And I know it's early in the season. Today is only May the 13th, but you just felt like, or at least I did, if the Marlins lost this one, it would have been just a very bad tone setter as you head into a difficult stretch move forward because you have that fourth game of the series even if you pick that one up it's not the best feeling losing three out of four against a team that you just swept and then heading over to LA to have to face I don't remember the exact order but it's going to be Kershaw, Bauer and also Walker Buehler. The Dodgers utilize their extra off day to set up the rotation to where they can just put three studs against the Marlins in a row and that will be Uh, A lot of fun to watch uh, the way this offense has been generally and now facing a probably one of the best, if not the best trio of pitchers in Major League Baseball. That's going to be interesting, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there because... There is a lot to talk about from yesterday's game. Right after, of course, this never fails. Right after I recorded the podcast, it was announced that the Marlins were going to start Cody Poteet. And I would have definitely done a bit of a dive into Cody Poteet ahead of his first start if the Marlins did not announce that the second I published the podcast. And honestly, that happens more often than you'd think. And it's really, it's tough. I mean, it's a daily podcast, so it's bound to happen. But oh my goodness, when I put a podcast out and the news comes out like that right after, It is the worst feeling in the world. (laughs) It is the worst feeling. So I appreciate you bearing with me. I'm sorry if you were expecting to hear a bit more on Poteet, but that's what I'm here for today. So let's talk about what Poteet did yesterday because it was very impressive. He had a great outing for his big league debut. His family that was there. It was great to see. It was super last minute. I know that uh, Craig Mish had floated on Twitter that there was a potential that he could get the start. I didn't even really see that because before that I wasn't even really considering Cody Poteet making the start in that ball game yesterday. I figured it would probably just be another bullpen game since the Marlins seemed to uh, love those. But Poteet came up big because I feel like every time you can go through this rotation and avoid a disastrous bullpen game or even just avoid a taxing game on your bullpen – that's a huge win. You're just hoping that you can get around every fifth day and just get one more cycle through the rotation closer to getting the reinforcements back. That's really how I look at it. I don't think that you can come up with a better term than just treading water, and I know I've said it a lot, but that's just the way it has to be. It's all hands on deck. So Potit buys them at least one more slot in the rotation and one more time around where they didn't have this just gaping hole or this just totally different type of look to them than they generally have because he goes five innings four hits two earned runs, six Ks, and he walked nobody. And that was really important because I was nervous that Petit may have a similar type of issue that we saw with Nick Neider, where he just wouldn't trust his stuff potentially. He was not a big strikeout guy in the minor leagues. Even recently in 2019 in AAA, only averaged just about 5.8 strikeouts per nine, which is uh, not good by any stretch in that same season in 2019. In A, 62 K's per nine inning, also not good either. He was decent in AA because he was able to keep the ball in the yard and was able to get guys to get themselves out, but then as he got to AAA in 2019, the ERA inflated, the FIP was even uglier at 7.1, and it was a tough go for him, but Boutique has come back and he's throwing harder this year. We saw it in that first start in AAA, where this year, in his first start with the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, he was really sharp. He went five and two-thirds. He punched out 10 only walked two and surrendered one run, which was on a solo shot. So a great outing from him in AAA, enough to earn him that spot start here for the Marlins and his line in the game for the Marlins against the D-backs here. He went five innings, four hits, two earned runs, surrendered a solo shot as well, and struck out six. And I think what was really impressive in the last two starts now is we've we've seen him punch out 16 batters in 10 and two-thirds innings between AAA and the major leagues is that the velo is up. He was also throwing harder as the start went on, which was very impressive as well. So as a guy that has seen an uptick in his velo, Also, being able to maintain it and actually start to throw harder as the start went on, that was a good, good sign. Also, his changeup showed some good shape. The breaking ball was pretty sharp at times as well. He missed pretty badly with the breaking ball and that was the home run to Andrew Young about 442 feet and uh, that was a gift of a pitch. He definitely missed on that one but I thought overall he did a really good job and he definitely bought himself or at least I would think so. He bought himself another start in the meantime and while I don't know how sustainable this kind of performance is long term, I do believe that he is a better version of what we saw from 2019 and that he can maybe hold the fort down for a couple starts. We'll see. He would have to face the fifth. Phillies, I believe, coming up maybe multiple times if he goes around the rotation twice. So that is definitely going to be a tougher matchup than maybe this Arizona Diamondback team. But overall, he has at least earned himself another start in my book. And there was some good numbers around what he was able to do with his arsenal, I think. And his fastball, again, having that uptick and velo is great to see Cold strike whiff rate of 35% on the heater is pretty solid topped out at 97 he racked up a total of 13 whiffs as opposed to Matt Peacock who was the last minute uh, fill-in starter on the other side as Zach Gallon went down with an elbow strain I believe which is very scary and I hope he's all right and can avoid any serious elbow issues but that's usually not a good indicator of uh, what's to come but we'll hope for the best with Zach Gallon. Poteet, 13 swings and misses. Then Matt Peacock had just three for Poteet. He had seven whiffs on the heater, three whiffs on the changeup and three on the breaking ball. And I think that is a really, really good takeaway for a guy that was pretty much just thrown into the fire there. And I don't know if the Marlins could have asked for anything more from him than what he turned in, picks up the victory in his first start as well. All just really great things to see. Also, how about Jesus Aguilar? I mean, this guy is just on another level right now. And I joked on Twitter that Jesus Aguilar is an MVP candidate. Obviously, that's a bit of hyperbole. But he is second in Major League Baseball right now in runs batted in just behind J.D. Martinez. His average is up to 291, and he's got a 958 OPS. So while I joke about the MVP candidate uh, thing with Jesus Aguilar, he is legitimately an all-star candidate right now, and if he can keep this rolling, he could make it back to the all-star game for the second time in his career. He made it in 2018 with the Brewers, and a lot of the numbers, a lot of the things that we're seeing from Aguilar, it's the first time he's done this since... 2018. It's the first time he's hit home runs in three straight games since 2018. It's a lot of numbers since 2018 when he was an All-Star. So that is a great, great sign. How about Adam Duvall, too, picking up a pair of hits? John Birdie as well with a couple hits. And I think that is also huge because the Marlins really do need him to step up, whether it's off the bench, whether it's the spot starts that he's making, because also Isan Diaz is starting to cool off a little bit. We saw him put together a few good games in a row, but all of a sudden now over the last seven games, he's two for his last 15. He has that grand slam, but that's it. Two for his last 15. It's a 133 batting average. So we don't know how much longer the Marlins can lean on Isan. I've Kind of said, I've not really been sold on him and his lack of bat speed for a while. I've been really happy with what he's been able to give the Marlins. He has filled in nicely over the last handful of ball games, but he is cooling off a little bit, so if the Marlins going to get John Birdie to heat up, that would be a huge bonus, and even still, in the meantime, have some sort of platoon going on with Isan and Birdie. He came out of yesterday's game, did Isan, but he's fine. It was more precautionary. He wasn't feeling well, but for the rest of the Marlins' offense right now, you know, it's really been just a a two-man show, three-man show, I'd say, between Rojas, Aguilar, and Dickerson. I talked about that yesterday, but the Marlins really need Duvall to step up, probably as much as anybody, and then seeing Birdie start to put it together was huge, even Magnara Sierra had a couple hits right after I said his uh, roster spot was quite meaningless. He picks up two hits. I still stand by the fact that I don't think his roster spot is that valuable. I'm not saying just like release him, but I think the second you are ready to uh, bring Jesus Sanchez into the mix, I think Sierra might have to be the guy that goes and that will unfortunately probably be the case, but we'll have to see. We'll see how the Marlins decide to navigate that also the catcher situation. Now Faro is getting closer to returning. I'm expecting that Sandy Leone will be the guy that remains beyond the fact that Sandy has been just swinging a better bat and has actually been hitting the ball kind of well the last few games. He squared one up two games ago. That was uh, the end of the ball game. A really nice catch by Paven Smith and then he homered yesterday. So he's definitely been competent at the plate and been swinging it a little bit and I like the experience that he brings if we're going to compare him to Wallach while neither are the sexiest of options, but also as Eli Sussman, managing editor of Fiststripes, pointed out on Twitter recently, the way it works with the contracts of both of them, of course, Chad Wallach, you can just option, he still has a few options left, but the way Sandy Leone's contract is structured, he technically cannot be optioned directly. The Marlins would actually have to DFA him because he has enough service time to reject a minor league assignment and potentially elect free agency, as well as collect the guaranteed money left on his contract. So that was a great point by Eli Sussman over with Stripes, the managing editor over there, and a very good catch because that makes it a no-brainer for the Marlins because it's not like one is that much better than the other, and you could probably argue that Sandy Leone has actually been better and is more experienced than Wallach, so there kind of lies your answer and what we would probably expect to happen next if the Marlins are going to bring up Alfaro sometime soon. We'll see when Alfaro officially gets the green light, but there's no doubt, no matter how uh, skeptical you are on Alfaro's long-term projections and whether he'll be able to tap into that former top prospect uh, ability that he has, and you can see all the tools, he will be an upgrade offensively over what the Marlins have presently, no doubt in my mind, so that will be a nice little boost to the Marlins lineup, and then of course Jazz will be quite the boost to this lineup once he is back, and I'm assuming they'll be on similar timelines as they're playing for the same team right now, and both playing in the same games, and both look pretty good. Jazz looking really good right now with how well he's moving. I want to talk about Yimmy Garcia and what he's doing this year, some of the small changes in his stuff, beyond the fact that he hit 99 yesterday, which was pretty cool to see, but there's some some other changes with his arsenal, some of the movement on his pitches and pitch usage that I wanted to discuss, and then a quick look ahead at the future ball games for the Marlins, that Dodger series that should be a difficult one, and then some Trevor Rogers discussion ahead of his start today after an extra off day. Before I get to that, a reminder that this episode is brought to you by Locker Room the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download. And once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans athletes and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport i'll be hosting rooms for locked on marlins and mlb prospects once a week and yes you can join in on the conversation you listen to here every single day locker room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league you'll find fans just like you on locker room for watch parties debates post-game breakdowns and of course reacting to the big news or rumors Go download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the MLB group for the latest league updates. Follow me at AramLayton8 to be notified when my room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. Can't wait to hear everybody's thoughts Marlins related, and I can't wait to see you there. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. Also brought to you by rockauto.com. Why pay 20, 30, or 50% more for the same auto parts when you can just go to rockauto.com, a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts, tan lamps, motor oil, or even that new carpet. Whether it's for your daily or classic driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices on rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for the professionals and the do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts when you can just go to rockauto.com? Let them know that Locked On sent you in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. rockauto.com So let's talk a little Yimmy, the Marlins closer, who has been great this season. So far, six saves, a 176 ERA, 15 and a third innings, 15 Ks. And while some of the baseball savant uh, metrics may not paint the prettiest of pictures, if we haven't learned by now, Yimmy Garcia is one of those guys that you can't really look At the average exit velocity or the max exit velocity or even like expected ERA as much as that is an important stat because he is one of those guys that just kind of is an outlier. He's an outlier to a lot of the metrics would i like to see some of those peripherals be a bit better of course absolutely it would make me feel a lot more comfortable about his long-term outlook and there are some little kinds of points here that are somewhat concerning i'm not going to put too much stock in it because again he seems to defy a lot of those concerns around the metrics although he is giving up a little bit more hard contact than he was last year the expected batting average is a bit higher everything across the board is a bit higher however The numbers are better, the ERA isn't higher, and he's still getting a decent amount of swing and miss. And I'll tell you why some of the pitch adjustments that he's made have me pretty encouraged, especially with the slider. Last year, the slider wasn't a big swing and miss pitch for Yemi. It was effective for him. Opponents hit just 214 against it, but it was not a pitch that he relied on to put guys away. Only a 15% put away rate on that pitch. So far this season, while opponents are hitting a bit higher technically, if you look at the batting average, the expected batting average is lower, but also the more important things that I'm going to look at here, because one or two hits right now could totally skew that batting average on a specific pitch this early. The more important thing is that he's getting way more whiffs and that's a larger volume because it's pitch by pitch rather than more at-bat dependent or ball and play dependent. He's getting a 32.4% whiff rate on the slider this year. Last year, he only got a 13% whiff rate on the slider. That is a big difference. It's triple or at least close to triple the whiff rate on that pitch and the put away rate at 25%. This is not a coincidence because the slider is much different looked this year. It is harder by about two miles per hour. And not only that, but it's sharper and it's tighter, which is also important. His vertical movement on the pitch has actually dropped a little bit even the horizontal movement has dropped a little bit less but a tiny bit and you might be thinking why would you want less movement on the slider but this is actually something that we're seeing across the game and the Rays have been really influential in this they're doing it with Luis Patino right now I was just talking about this unlocked on MLB prospects where Luis Patino was having trouble commanding a slider it was a plus pitch but it was not as effective for him last year now that he goes to the Rays as we know what the Rays do to pitchers they just unlock things for them and make them so much better and they helped John Curtis a lot with his breaking ball, but Patino's slider was a lot more of a slurvy pitch. They eliminated a lot of that vertical movement, even a little bit of the horizontal movement, but it's firmer, it's sharper and has later bite and he commands it way better. We're seeing the same thing with Yemi Garcia so far this year. He is able to command that slider better. It's harder at 90 miles an hour, which is ridiculous for a slider and if you're locating it, it's harder and it's breaking later. That's all good stuff that's all better than having more of a sweeping slider when you're a high velo guy like yimmy and it seems to all play really well off of each other and i think he's commanding that slider better now that it doesn't have as much of that sweeping movement and vertical movement his walk rate is down three percent this year which is pretty substantial for a reliever and good to see the fastball velo is up also which is nice to see more than a mile per hour and a half higher Than last season so the fastball velo is up the slider is more firm and he's also incorporated a curveball a bit more especially against left-handed hitters and while the curveball is not this incredible pitch it is good against lefties where he's throwing it more to left-handed hitters and he's throwing it more in general to be honest he's thrown it 21% of the time right now whereas last year he threw it just 11% he's phased the change up out a little bit Because last season, it just wasn't really an effective pitch for him, even against lefties. Now the curveball has been more effective for him. It's not a strikeout pitch by any means, but he's able to get strikes with it earlier in counts. He's able to locate it, steal strikes, and backdoor hitters with it. But most importantly, it gives him that third speed because it's even slower than the changeup. The four-seamer averages just under 96 miles per hour. The slider averages 90 miles per hour. Then the curveball is more towards 83 miles per hour, whereas the changeup was more towards 87, 88. So now it gives him that third distinct speed which definitely is helping him as well. So all of those things are really encouraging. Sure, the batted ball data is a little bit, you know, when you see the blue, when you go on Baseball Savant that's not what you want to see, but I think with the arsenal improvements that he's made with the pitch improvements that he's made and the usage, all of those things are very encouraging and I think that's why we're seeing a really good season so far from Yimmy Garcia in the closer role. As Trevor Rogers gets ready to make another start today with an extra day's rest, I wanted to discuss some of the things around Rogers, and he has been nothing shy of incredible. He was my guy heading into the season, and I'm so amped to see him living up to those expectations and then some. I mean, he has been really as good as anybody could have imagined in their wildest dreams. And a large reason why is the fastball. The fastball is incredible, whether you're a lefty or a righty. And I wanted to talk about something that has stood out to me a little bit, and it seems like it's just the last little key for him to becoming a legitimate um, potential ace. This is the one thing I think that is somewhat missing, but he's such a young pitcher that it's not a big deal. It's just worth discussing and a bit intriguing because it's not what you would expect from a pitcher like Trevor Rogers when you look at him. And it's his splits because the splits are somewhat reversed and I'll tell you why. So with Trevor Rogers, he is a fastball dominant guy. We know that. I'm not really breaking any big-time news to you, he leans on it pretty heavily, as he should, because it is a dominant pitch. When opponents are swinging and missing at your fastball 33% of the time, and also your best out pitch is your changeup, and that sets it up really well also, and your changeup has a 38% lift rate, it is going to be a very, very lethal combination. And that's exactly what we've seen from Trevor Rogers: is that lethal combination of the fastball and slider. Those two pitches account for 85% of what he throws. Fastball 63% of the time, changeup 22% of the time. The thing is, with the changeup, he only throws that to righties. He almost never throws it to left-handed hitters, which makes sense. And with the fastball against lefties, he throws that pitch 71% of the time. And it's even better against lefties, understandably, because he is so long and lanky that velo with the arm slot, it looks like the fastball is coming right at your hip. And that's why he gets a 43% whiff rate on the fastball against left-handed hitters. However... He doesn't really have another pitch to throw against lefties. The slider has never been a great pitch for him. He changed the grip and has made it viable. And it's ironically better against righties so far this season. Not a huge sample size because he doesn't throw it a ton to either. He throws it more to lefties than righties, but it's actually been better to right-handed hitters because he catches them out front trying to cheat on the heater and that slider can just kind of get buried and they'll chase it with the lefties they'll kind of hang in there a little bit. And that's a pitch that hasn't really been as good for him. He's almost better off just telling them he's throwing a heater than trying to surprise them with the slider because the heater is still so hard to hit. So when you look at his splits, it's kind of surprising, but when you look at the arsenal, it somewhat makes sense. Not a huge sample size to go from this year, but it kind of piggybacks off of last year and the dramatic difference in the pitch data as well as the batting averages and everything across the board kind of explains the story. Against right-handed hitters, they are hitting just 178 against Trevor Rogers so far this season with 41 strikeouts and 120 plate appearances. Lefties, however, in 31 plate appearances, they are hitting 280 with a 419 on base and a 739 OPS. So they're not hitting for a lot of power off of him, which is the most important thing, because most of the stuff that he throws is really hard to square up if you're a lefty, but he doesn't quite get the same amount of swing and miss on any pitches outside of the fastball. Again, this is not reason for concern whatsoever. I just thought this was an interesting discussion as to what could take Trevor Rogers from a budding frontline starter to a legitimate ace. And I really think this is it because the Juan Soto's of the world, the Freddie Freeman's of the world, those guys will start to make those adjustments, especially when they know there's a 71% chance a fastball is coming uh, to left handed hitters. That is usually a very difficult rate of success, or it's difficult to have success when you're throwing fastballs at that rate uh, with any pitcher. That is a starter relievers. You can do that. Josh Hader does that. But with Trevor Rogers, he doesn't have that issue with righties anymore because of how darn good that changeup is. But since he can't go to the changeup against lefties, it's worth watching the development of the slider. That really is the only key for him, is can he develop that slider? If that pitch becomes a really viable pitch for him, it does not even have to be as good as the changeup. It just has to be average, because right now I would still say it's below average. If it's an average pitch for him, working off of that fastball left on left, he's gonna be a nightmare. He's just going to be a nightmare. And at that point, you can pretty much just say he, he is a certified ace because that is probably the only thing holding him back is being able to get the same amount of swings and misses on anything other than the fastball against lefties because you can't just go only fastball. Eventually, there will be some adjustments made, especially by some of the better hitters. But even as it stands now, it's not going to be reason for concern. His stuff is just too good. The fastball is too effective, and he'll be just fine. But if we want to see him you know, continue this just dominance at a different level, that is the one missing part is that slider. And it'll be interesting to see how he develops that. But I am so excited about this kid. He is such a big bonus to this team. And what he's doing is for real. I mean, I don't think anybody is doubting that. Trevor Rogers is a certified frontline starter in this game, a solidified number two, I think, at this point as he continues to build on it. As long as the command Continues to remain as solid as it has been and he continues to build off of that, but that slider is the last missing part. I want to talk about some of the games ahead as we look forward to what is going to be a fun road trip, but definitely a challenging one moving forward. I'll get there in just a second before I talk about that. I have one more message from you from Sports Trade where fantasy sports is meeting the stock market. It is really that crazy. It's like Robin Hood for fantasy sports. Their platform allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players just like real stocks. A fair and exciting way to cash in on your knowledge of sports and they just added baseball to the platform, so go check it out today. Making money with Sports Trade is as simple as players values rise and fall based on two factors. One, their statistical performance in each game as compared to their projected fantasy points in that game. The more points scored, the higher their value goes to good old supply and demand. The more demand a player has, the higher their value goes. When you're ready to buy shares, pick that penny stock in a rookie with huge upside or grab that blue chip vet who's always a solid performer. You can instantly buy and sell as many shares and as many players as you'd like. Just like the stock market. Simply go to sportstrade.com, watch the how it works video, and then sign up to get started. Sign up today at sportstrade.com to discover the fun, exciting, and profitable new world of sports trading. Also brought to you by betonline.ag. Baseball season's in full swing right now, and we have all of the latest news, odds, and anything for your sporting needs at BetOnline. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the latest bonuses and contest information they have. Best of all, if you go to the website right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's one word, Locked on you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So as we look ahead at the Marlins' schedule, they have some decisions to make with that rotation and what they want to do, especially in that middle game against the Dodgers, where it's going to be Trevor Rodgers today. Then Sandy Alcantara versus Clayton Kershaw, which should be a pretty fun one. Then we have to see who they decide to go to in that game, too, which will be Trevor Bauer for the Dodgers. A tough matchup for the Marlins as Bauer has looked as good as ever and really has just picked up where he left off last season. However, Bauer has not been getting a lot of run support. And the Marlins were able to take advantage of that with the DeGrom story over there and with the Mets where they just can't get him any run support. Maybe we have something starting here with the Dodgers and Bauer and an inconsistent run support type of story Bauer already came out and said I'm frustrated so now it's even more of a story so we'll see what happens but I would assume if the Marlins are sending Jordan Holloway out there uh, that's gonna be quite the challenge so what do the Marlins do you're facing a loaded Dodgers lineup, one of the best lineups we've seen in a very, very, very long time. And yes, they're missing Cody Bellinger, but the rest of the lineup is very good. I don't know what you do there. Do you really subject Jordan Holloway to that? I just don't even know if that's fair to Jordan Holloway. I know the Marlins don't really care, and they might just throw him out there, but they may be better served just going bullpen game on that one. And I hate the bullpen games, as you can tell from the last few episodes, but if you're going to try to beat the Dodgers, your best bet might just be piecing one together where you have – all of your bullpen arms that are just really on that day. A couple go a couple innings and you just keep passing the baton and hope you can keep them in check. I think if you put a Jordan Hallway out there, they're going to get to him. And that's almost inevitable and that's going to be a really big challenge for him. We'll see what they decide to do. It should be interesting. God forbid they bring Dan Castano up to face him or something like that. That would be a nightmare. So we'll see. If Dan Castano goes up there and pitches against the Dodgers in that game, I am taking the over, and I'm assuming that there's going to be like nine home runs. It's not even anything against Dan Castano. I think that in certain matchups, in certain situations, he can be competitive because he gets guys to get themselves out. But the Dodgers, they will tee off. They like to... Hit the ball in the air. And Dan Castano is a guy that likes to try to get a lot of weak fly balls. Dodgers don't hit a ton of those. So we'll see who they go with. I doubt it's Castano. I'm assuming it's either going to be Holloway getting another nod or the Marlins going bullpen game. Either way, it's going to be really tough to win that one, especially against Trevor Bauer. Then in Game 3... You'll probably have Pablo Lopez against Walker Buehler, which should be pretty fun as well. A good challenge for Lopez where we can see, you know, how he competes against a lineup like that. Lopez was off in his last start. Generally speaking, Lopez bounces back after a bad start, and we'll see if he can bounce back. Not quite the most ideal bounce-back opportunity, and then we will probably get... Going into the next series there on May 18th after the day off, we'll probably get our second look at Cody Petit, assuming that the Marlins reward him with another start, which would be the right thing to do, as he did earn himself, I think, one more start. and We'll get another chance to really extrapolate a little bit more data on him and see what he is capable of against another good lineup in the Phillies, and then it'll flip back over around to the new rotation at the top again that off day is huge as it could help the marlins avoid um at least one more who the hell is going to pitch today spot in the rotation as the off days can allow you to shift the rotation through that one hole you have in that five man spot so that will be helpful for the marlins and we'll see how they decide to utilize that good chance we could see jazz chisholm back this weekend maybe jorge alfaro as well That would also be quite the boost for the Marlins by the middle of this series against the Dodgers, and then, of course, heading into the division games, which are more important than that Dodger series, so the Marlins may want to wait and just have him back and have some of those reinforcements back for the Philly series. We'll see how they decide to navigate that. No updates yet, and we need an update on Starling Marte sometime soon as well. We'll see what the timeline is on Marte. Obviously, he's going to be delayed quite a bit and could return right around the same time as uh, one of the Marlins pitchers. it seems like that might be a more accurate timeline Eliezer is inching his way back 6-0 lagging a little bit further behind that should do it for today's episode thank you so much for taking the time to listen with me thank you to those who take the time to leave a rating as they help me grow the show immensely and the numbers have been so incredible so far this season I am just incredibly humbled to see the show grow and I appreciate those of you who may be telling your friends your fellow Marlins fan friends about the show as I've just seen it grow. I don't know if it's word of mouth. I don't know what's going on, but it has been really awesome, and I am eternally grateful for that as it's just so much fun to talk to you every single day about this team, hopefully about this healthy team sometime soon. I look forward to talking Marlins baseball with you tomorrow. Hopefully the Marlins can find a way to salvage this series and split it up with the D-backs.